Hello and welcome to Hot Yoga Radio. The wind has finally died down after a week of gales, so we're back up in the hills doing another podcast. And this is another episode in our Interesting Times series. So today we want to talk about what's been happening in Afghanistan. And to be honest, it's really... uh, It's kind of been quite shocking, even though it shouldn't be really, because it's... uh, it was kind of obvious what was going to happen, really, I suppose. But um, uh, still, I kind of... It, it's its very distressing, especially as we've been following the footage of what's been happening on the, on the ground. Um, I really, really feel for the Afghans at the moment. So it's just, just in case anyone listening to, to this doesn't know uh, what's been happening, just, just very briefly, um, I think about 18 months ago, Uh, When Trump was president, he made an agreement that the the American troops are going to be pulled out of Afghanistan. And Biden took over and he decided to uh, uphold this agreement, um, which is very, very popular in America. Um, this, This is what I would imagine the majority of the people want um so they they did and they've been trying to train as far as we know trying to train the the afghan army to make sure that taliban could be repelled if they decided to try and take over the country again um but unfortunately within nine days of the american troops and also british troops and troops from other places in the world being uh, pulled out, um, the Taliban. It t- took them nine, ten days yeah. to take over the whole country, get to Kabul, take Kabul. Um, so it it would seem that really the whole population of Afghanistan is uh, deeply distressed and desperately trying to escape. A lot of them to the point where they're they're trying to climb on moving planes and some of them unfortunately falling to their deaths and they'd rather do that than live under the Taliban. I mean you were saying this morning there's it 60% of the Afghan population is under 20 so a lot of these young people are not going to want to live in the kind of regime that the Taliban um, imposed upon Afghanistan last time. So, understandably, a lot of them, a lot of them want to leave. Not to mention the women. How unbelievably distressing it is for them, uh, knowing they might be thrust back into the god awful life that uh, they had last time under the Taliban. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're up to at the moment. The um, Just great scenes of uncertainty, distress, people fleeing their homes. I think there must there was twenty thousand people on the move, um, and all of this happening in the time of COVID, as well. Just to make it even worse. Our government not being particularly 
sympathetic to their plight really um, not considering it's like partly their fault that all this is happening yeah um, there haven't been great moves to welcome refugees from Afghanistan uh, we're going to take what's what a pretty Patel take we'll take we'll take 5,000 which is considering yeah. they've got a population of yeah 66 million Afghanistan. Afghanistan, I think about 30 million, something like that. About 30 million? Yeah. Uh, so it's just a tiny, tiny drop in the ocean, really. Yeah, I think they said they would take 20,000 over a number of years, 5,000 the first year. Mm. And if they're, coming, if they're coming across the channel in a dinghy, that's it. They, they, they're, they're just going to let them drown. <laughs> yeah, basically. Because yeah. all this in the context, of course, of the... The bill that's going through, that's probably now at the Lords, or at the committee stage, or the Lords, the um, the Borders Bill, which is particularly uncharitable to anybody seeking asylum or refugee status in the UK. I mean, this this is a really uh, just a conversation about what's going on because it all is very new. Um, the Taliban have put out press releases saying, oh, we're going to be a lot nicer this time. Yeah. And uh, we promise when yeah. we don't know whether they've got the fingers crossed behind their backs when they say this. Yeah. And is it really a bit ambiguous? Yeah. Um, because what they said was, could could mean Anything. a few different things. It's, it's a bit of a wait and see situation. It is, yeah. And our government being uh, quite criticised through making no preparations for yeah. this kind of event yeah. even though they've had 18 months I mean it's, it's typical really of the Tories just to sit back yeah. and do nothing and uh, yeah. uh, Johnson and Rob, the Foreign Secretary were on holiday, um, <laughs> where are they? Oh, on holiday yeah. sunning themselves on the beach while all yeah. of this was going on I think it's doing it to drag them back by the hair it's, it's doing them some reputational damage I think yeah uh, even though, you know, they are very Teflon, there's hardly anything sticks, you know, to them. But it'll do them some damage, definitely. Yes, I mean, this is, um, when we had this, this conversation the other day, when it was too windy to record anything, I thought um, they were going to find themselves in a, quite conflicted, because I was watching the BBC and Channel 4 and... Um, well, actually, and, and, and you were listening to Radio 4, weren't you? So yeah. as far as I could tell, uh, a lot of our media, instead of doing the uh, migrant refugee bashing, yeah. were, were, were showing these desperate, desperate scenes yeah. um, in a very sympathetic light. Yeah. And it would be pretty hard for anyone to watch what was going on and, and think, oh yeah, they're, they're, yeah they're, just, they're just a pack of bastards, aren't they, trying to come over here and take yeah. our jobs, blah, 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 and yeah. all the crap that they talk. Um, well, they do so I wonder, wondered where they were going to, like how the Tories were going to play it, because they want to play the racist card for all it's worth. Um, and get, do the do the thing of like the divide and conquer and getting the public just to just to hate migrants yeah. or or anyone brown or yeah. anyone European actually now yeah. anyone who isn't British now that's where we're at isn't it yeah. with them lot yeah um, anybody who isn't English even maybe. yes I know yeah yeah so 
Um, I, I wondered, I thought, I thought they were going to be pulled because there was obviously like a, this, there was a lot of sympathy in this country for what's going on in Afghanistan. And I mean, especially <sighs> women. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, what, uh, just, it's like I can't even imagine how, how terrified the women who live there are right now, what might be coming, where they yeah. can't have education and they can't, they have, they can't yeah. leave the house without a chaperone. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of virtually in prison, really. Yeah. You well, know, and so slaves, slaved the, and in prison. The first Taliban regime was certainly like that. A lot of educating women committed suicide. In, uh, the despair was so great. Uh, 20 years ago, the Taliban uh, uh, partly ruled Afghanistan for about, I think it was about six years or something like that. Might have been a bit more. Even though the country was basically in a state of civil war, there was like a war between the Taliban and the, the Northern Alliance. It's based on ethnicity and tribal loyalties and that kind of stuff. So it, was, it wasn't exactly a kind of a stable government, but they're, they're absolutely awful to women, you know, closed girls' schools and so forth. Very, very backward. However you look at it, you can be as cultural relativist as you like. <laughs> They, they were terribly backward. They're claiming that they're not going to do it this time, but I say you have to wait and see about that. They're claiming that uh, they're, they're going to, you know, they see women as, as equal but different, I suppose. And as long as, as long as, as women behave in accordance with uh, Islam and Sharia law, whatever, however you want to interpret that. Yeah, which actually did that yeah. backwards is very, very different, isn't it? Yeah, it's well, it's extremely open to interpretation. But it seems uh, like they want, inverted commas, to develop the country by exploiting its, its, its wealth, its native wealth. Uh, and it's, it's got tremendous mineral wealth, Afghanistan, including possibly the world's biggest reserves of lithium. Yeah, and, and a lot of rare earths and gold and gas and all kinds of stuff. They've got a lot of stuff there that they could exploit, but they're not going to be able to exploit it if their position vis-a-vis -vis the, the world economy and the other countries of the world is, 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 is too ambiguous or too unfriendly or too unstable. And it seems like if you, if you believe Pepe Escobar, who's a, thought to be, by a lot of people, a, a great Afghan expert, he spent a lot of time there, and a Central, Central Asia and China expert, if you believe him, and I'm not sure whether to just yet, but if you believe him that the Taliban have been talking to the Chinese and the Russians uh, for ages in the expectation that they would be able to take over when the Americans left. And in the expectation that eventually the Americans would leave. Because 20 years is a long time, to, and, and two trillion dollars and, and thousands of deaths of young American men and women is a big price to pay. Eventually, America was going to go, and NATO, you know, the Brits and NATO, were going to leave. They're going to stay there forever. This is what Biden said, and he's right. At some point, we've got to leave. You know. So, in, in, in this context, the Taliban have been talking to China, if, if you believe, Pablo Escobar, and Max Blumenthal seems to, and Ben Norton seems to. I don't know again how reliable these people are. I've said in previous podcasts that they, they are reliable, but I, th I think a critical eye needs to be cast over the actual detail of what they say 
always because some, sometimes they, they seem to be spot on and other times I think they get carried away uh, I might be wrong about that so there's a lot of question marks I've got over, over this take but it seems to me pretty likely that China's going to want in in Afghanistan there is a very short border with China and Afghanistan could fit quite well with the one belt one road you know the, the new Silk Road option and you should be sure that China would love, love, love its hands on that lithium because it wants to lead the world in the climate mitigation measures which means more solar power which means you need storage and at the moment the technology is looking at lithium battery storage and already like huge battery storage has been put in place in Australia for instance to test out this proposition because the sun only shines in the day you want electricity at night so you charge up these huge lithium batteries and of course if all the cars are going to go electric the world's going to need absolutely tons of lithium and China would like to be in the forefront of that just as it's in the forefront of solar panel development so they've certainly got an interest they're already uh, got big deals with Pakistan to push a road through to the Arabian Sea, you know, uh, through Pakistan, as a part of the One Belt, One Road. And probably to use Pakistan as a cheap labour source, I wouldn't be surprised. Afghanistan could fit very neatly with that, and you can be sure they want their hands on the lithium and the rare, the rare earths, which are also useful in, in computers and, and you know, advanced electronics, and mobile phones and communications, all, all that kind of stuff. And the story goes that the Chinese and the Russians have said to the Taliban, just just behave a bit, just put on a bloody reasonable face to the world, you know. Don't come on all grim-faced and we're going to lock women up, because it's it's going to it's it's going to be politically very unproductive. You know, and also, China, China, of course, has got another interest in Afghanistan, and it's the fact that Mujahideen types uh, are training in Af Afghanistan uh, have got associations with the Taliban and, and other uh, Isla Islamic fundamentalist movements in uh, East Turkestan which we know as Xinjiang and, where, where, and of course there's an enormous amount of propaganda in the west about Xinjiang and about the Chinese slave labour concentration camps genocide the, the truth is that China is trying to put the lid on a, a, a low-level te terrorist war in East Turkestan, which has been you know, fostered by uh, Islamists in, in Afghanistan. And that, it seems, if Escobar is correct again, that the Chinese have said to the, to, to the, to, to the Taliban, don't give these people any arms or any money. Because they've got, they've got Islamist terrorists who do suicide bombs and roadside bombs and, and assassinations in Xinjiang, you know, or, or assassinate Chinese engineers outside of China. They even said to bomb off in Beijing. You know. And people are surprised when Beijing uh, clamps down, when the Communist Party clamps down. Uh, because every country would do exactly the, exactly the same. Not that I'm trying to be, a, you know, a, a pal of the Chinese Communist Party, particularly. 
tell the China has got uh, has got this kind of dual interest. They would like to put their hands on the uh, on the lithium. They would like to develop Afghanistan. Roads. But if the Americans come back and start bombing the crap out of Afghanistan again, it's going to affect trade, isn't it? So it's, that's, it's that's not, the it's, thing. It's they gonna, don't want that to happen. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's right. I so say just just any any kind of like real unfriendliness, lack of recognition by the rest of the world. It's going to make it very difficult for China. But they want something in return, and what they want in return is that uh, is that the the Taliban don't help the Islamist insurrectionists in China. Uh, plus, they want they, they you know they'll they'll do a deal with them for you know they'll help help them to develop the lithium and and the rare earths and and the mining, which they're extremely able to do. They're probably the most able country in the world for that that very project. Plus, they have a border with Afghanistan, or a very small one, but they have a border, so they could run a road through possibly, even though it's through extremely mountainous territory. Be an engineering feat to get a road through that picture. So it strikes me that if the Taliban play their cards right, they could actually become immensely rich and powerful. Yeah, they could. Which is uh, a little bit worrying. <laughs> what do you think would happen then? I don't know. It's a lo- it's, it's a long way off because uh, America and and its allies, even though the allies are a little bit more jumpy about this than America is, want to destabilise the rise of China, which is happening in conjunction with the, the fall of America, the decline of its empire. And remember, remember that, that the Chinese are working on de-dollarising that part of the world. They've already done this uh, multi-billion, ten-year oil deal with Iran. America's devil, you know, the Iran. Iran. And, but they're not going to deal in dollars. They'll be using a digital back to you and, or, or some some synthetic kind of combination of uh, ru- rubles, ir- the, whatever the Iranian currency is, China and the yuan, all digitised. I know that Michael Hudson's working on this. And they, they, they are said, they know that, that their political power, stability, wealth is dependent on de-dollarising their own their own economy. And to do that, they need partners. But remember, China is in this this new alliance of 15 countries in Southeast Asia, which is you know like a kind of it's, it's like a kind of common market in the Far East, and it's the biggest trading block in the world. It covers 30 percent of the world's population. But American allies are in that group: Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, Japan, are all in it. You know, yet they have military alliance with America, so they're kind of in a very uh, tense situation. Also, remember that the, the one, the one belt, one road, is planning on. Just, just, go, just to describe what that is for anyone who doesn't know. It's like a, a, a trade network of roads, ice spill rail, sea routes, uh, spreading all the way across f- from China right the way into Europe, right the way into Europe in, 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 to. Um, to Eastbourg is at the moment. Trains are coming. There's, there's uh, uh, I don't know, trains coming every week. It t- takes weeks to get across there, but you know. And they're, they're eventually they're putting fast roads, high speed trains, but also sea routes. They're built and they're building ports. They lend countries money to build ports or they build them. 
uh, like the, forget the name of it, a, a, a very important port that they built in Greece. It's all something, sell their goods uh, in Europe and trade back, but then it goes much further into Africa and into... So it's a big enterprise. For, oh, for, it, to, it, to, it's, it's enormous, and it's got, yeah. it, it's got finance, wow. it's got trade, it's got development, it's got port building, road building, infrastructure building globally. It's absolutely, and they're pressing ahead with it, and America, America doesn't want it, because this is the rise of China and the, and the decline of the American empire. So that is the context of Afghanistan. And you can't, you can't divorce what's happening there fr from that. Yeah. You, know, you cannot. So it seems to me you've got no chance of understanding what's really going on there without this geopolitical context. At the same time, I don't think you've got any chance of understanding it without the, the, the historical context. Either. And our media are really giving us uh, uh, none of that, or only like little hints. I did notice somebody on the BBC say this morning said, oh, they've got, tons, they've got trillions of dollars worth of, of minerals. And it just could have been passing. And even, even I was watching uh, Max Blumenthal talking to this uh, Pepe Escobar, I think last night or the night before, and even he didn't know that Afghanistan was sitting on, on the, the, this huge deposits of lithium. Bigger than Bolivia, and we, we've known this for ages. You go back over our podcasts, and I know I keep saying this, and he practiced a little bit, it's a little bit bashful or something. But we we we've mentioned this stuff for for ages, you know. So so yeah, so that's what's kind of going on. I mean, uh, the way it's being presented is that somehow we've left them in the lurch. You know, there's, there's this, and all the, the women, the women and the girls, and fair enough, one fails for them, you know, and, and if anything could be done for the advances that women, women have, have made in Afghanistan to be preserved and then enhanced and built upon, we should, you, you know, you, you'd, you'd do it. But as Jimmy Dore said this morning, he says, it's completely hypocritical because the best thing you can do for women and girls is not bomb them. <laughs> and as you said just the other day, like, like a school was bombed and, and, and 20, 20 young girls were killed by American bombs, you know, just the other day. And if they really were serious about it, why is Saudi Arabia, which is completely oppressive to women, one of their biggest alloys, who they sell uh, advanced weapons to, why? You know, it, it, it is complete hypocrisy and it's complete propaganda. They don't fucking care about women and girls, otherwise they wouldn't support Saudi Arabia and be in an alliance with Saudi Arabia. It's just pure geopolitics. And you can, you can catch a film on YouTube of Hillary Clinton when she was, I don't know, Secretary of State or whatever she was, saying, we created the Taliban. We created them. And they did. And this is why you need to understand this. The Taliban, Al-Qaeda... Mujahideen were all set up by the Americans to oppose the Russians when they invaded in 2000, in 2000 I think. It's Christmas Day, actually, the main lot went in. Yeah, so, 
you know, it's, 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 a lot of, a lot of the, the, the kind of crocodile tears about the women and the girls, and a lot of the stuff about, oh, we should still be there. You shouldn't have gone there in the first fucking place. And, and you shouldn't have created these, these people in the first, the first place. And they went in initially to get one over on the Russians. It was Cold War. You know, they, 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 they sort of uh, funded and equipped the Mujahideen, the uh, holy warriors, the jihadists, to fight the Russians. And the Russians went in to prop up a communist government that incidentally was committed completely to complete equality for women and the education of women. So my kind of reaction is I don't really like what the British press and the British politicians are making of it because it seems historically and geopolitically vacant. And I th certainly think oh, this talk about uh, about women, women and girls, even though it, it, it's right that one should oppose the, 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 their oppression, it's also hypocritical on the part of the US and, and cyber rattlers and flag shaggers in, in British and American politics. And say, otherwise they wouldn't support Saudi Arabia. They don't actually give a shit about human rights. They don't actually give a shit about, about, about women having equal rights and, and uh, access to education and careers and work and so forth. But they'll make a big song and dance about it for propaganda reasons, because really what's being played is, is a horrible psychopathic game of geopolitics with resources resources that actually this is the irony that you know the, that lithium by, by most accounts is going to be absolutely necessary if we're going to save the fucking planet incidentally uh, how, how do we know about all these minerals the mineral wealth in afghanistan so all the americans have been there the last 20 years they've survived the whole country <laughs> just to see what they got oh. <laughs> these, these things are never about what they claim to be about this is the big the big moral there's always another agenda, you know, and it's it's a big, as I say, a psychopathic uh, geopolitics power agenda. And this is taking place in the context in which the American empire has run out of momentum and it will inevitably decline into a similar kind of situation or position as the, as the, as the British empire. In other words, it will become nothing and the country will be, become a second-rate country. But simultaneously, China is rising because they've got exactly the right policies and, uh, for, for their type of country. It's not to say the place is a pleasant place and, isn't that, and, and the whole thing hasn't been built on blood and tears. Probably has. But nevertheless, they've happened upon something that's, for now, quite dynamic. And they, in their turn, will fall. Empires always fall. But at the moment, they're trying to raise the standard of living of their, of their people. Yeah. So that we'll have a, a, a middle a middle class society, uh, friendly to nature, socialist by 2050. That's the, that's their ambition, and it's it's it is a genuine ambition. Uh, 
Oh well, we're nearly back in the town now. You can probably just hear it in the background. Yeah. So, um, watch this space. There's uh, yeah. going to be an awful lot more happening. I mean, so yeah. much has happened in such a short time already. So, uh, who knows? I mean, the, the last time I looked this morning, it sort of looked like the Taliban were starting to fight amongst themselves already. Yeah. So. Uh, I just heard, heard one, one expert, a professor of Afghan studies or something, Central Asian studies, saying that he, that he thinks they are very disciplined and that they're not likely to factionalise. But there'll be other factions in the country, even Islamic factions, who might take a pop at him. And just remember, you know, a lot of young people, they've grown up completely under this American attempt to institute some kind of liberal democracy, even though it's very uneven. Parts of the countryside were always ruled by the Taliban and untouched by city Afghanistan, which is kind of like, as for, you know, it's from the time of the king, before the Japanese king, it was very cosmopolitan. And a, a lot of middle-class Afghans because are quite westernised, you know, you might say. And the huge difference between their, their worldview and the worldview of pe people in the countryside who survived by growing opium, yes. Anyway. There's a lot of ins and outs, I can tell you that. Yeah, I know. The situation is... Yeah. The situation's kind of ultimately simple. Is it? Yeah, imperialism. You know, fight the Russians, and then the consequences of that. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn's right. You know, if you go in, you might perhaps do some short-term sort of ameliorations of the destructiveness that's happening, but in the end, it'll just go to shit, and he's right. It has to. But this has been rolling on since the fucking 19th century. Precisely this. OK. Over and out, eh, chaps? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. A bit of a ramble, but I hope everyone found that interesting. Uh, lots to say, as normal. Yeah. So I hope everyone's uh, OK, and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll speak to you soon. OK, chaps. Uh, we're back home now, and uh, we realised that uh, we wanted to make a little addendum to this podcast and that is we want to mention the role of the military industrial complex in the whole thing of course they've been making absolute fortunes uh, over these last 20 years uh, much of the trillion dollars spent on, on this war has gone to them and uh, they love war because they always make a profit actually they make a profit in peace by inventing threats and by always claiming that the current equipment is obsolete and needs to be updated because the Chinese or the Russians have got something a bit better and all the rest of it. Uh, the scam of scams, and of course these people have got immense power uh, within governments in the world. So just bear that in mind, they make absolute fortunes out of these human tragedies. As for nation building, when money is spent on projects in countries like Afghanistan that have been invaded by the uh, the hegemon, it still finds its way back to Wall Street or the city of London, because basically the uh, the contractors are, are uh, American, British, European firms uh, that make a profit. They're private. They make a profit for shareholders and they work so as to increase their share price 
And of course, that profit goes back to the West. So even then, the money doesn't actually find its way to, to the people. I mean, if it did, if a trillion dollars went into Afghanistan, there'd be a solar panels on every every roof. There'd be schools in every village. Uh, excellent schools, well-equipped. There'd be broadband internet across the country. There'd be uh, proper highways. There'd be self-sufficiency in, in food and food security. Trillion dollars would go a long way in a place like that. But say the money ends up in the pockets of the, the death merchants, uh, Boeing, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and all the rest of them, BAE. It's kind of disgusting. Just always bear that in mind. This is always in the background of all geopolitics and all the, all the tragedies that we see across the planet, where the hegemon is at the heart of it. Nation building, spreading democracy and freedom. What they're actually doing is making dosh for their death-dealing masters of war. Okay, thanks for listening. Over and out.